Good morning again. Welcome to all the visitors that are here. It's a blessing to see you all. I want to talk this morning about wisdom. And I know it's a subject that could easily disqualify the presenter, but nonetheless was on my heart. But before we go there, I would like to rise, us all to rise to our feet and stand before the Lord this morning and welcome him, welcome him into our midst. Father in heaven, we come before you as your children. We have been so graciously admonished already this morning to know who you are, to not only see your promises, but to search them in the time when we are on the mountaintops, so that in the valleys, Lord, that we can reach out your hand. Lord, it is a, it is a theme, it is a life, lifestyle of a believer, of your child, and me. This very thought grab our hearts this morning. We pray, Lord, that you will instill our hearts with wisdom. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be in our midst this morning. That you'll open our hearts, that you convict our hearts with your, with your word. That is a gift. Lord, to prepare our hearts for eternity. We pray, Lord, that the enemy will have no way to destroy the word coming towards our heart, but you will protect them. We pray that this room will be filled with your presence, Lord. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to talk about wisdom and what the Word of God says on it. It has been on my heart as we arrived at the beginning of a new school year. And I know school deals with knowledge. But with knowledge, if you treat it right, you eventually get wisdom. It's been on my heart. And as I said, it's a challenging subject to present, but I found more and more that a life dedicated unto Christ is a result of wise choices. It is a result of wisdom. And when we see a life that is dedicated unto Christ and his kingdom as an eternal value, it is a result of wisdom. I have found a... A very interesting fact on in meditating on this subject. Many cultures, they honor the old and the wise, except maybe for Western culture. But there's many more thousands of cultures in the world, and a lot of times you will find that they honor the old and the wise. People respectfully sit at their feet and are taught and directed with their life accumulated experiences. I personally believe that is, a valu that is a valuable asset, and I believe it should also stand 
in, a, in our Christian culture. In other words, the church should be well acquainted with that practice. And also have fathers in the faith. And such definition of, web, of wisdom in the Merriam-Webster is knowledge gained by having, a, having many experiences in life. Through, through these experiences, we have old men that can look at a young man and give him advice. Because most likely they've, they've experienced some kind of circumstance that is very similar. It's like as a father giving advice to, me, to my teenagers, because I've walked through it, I remember it like yesterday. And we can give them advice. That is wisdom. And if we remember, wisdom is the ability to make choices that we will continue to repeat because they were the right choice. However, as a follower of Christ, we have a privilege that no other culture or religion has. And it's stated in James 1, chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and will be given to him. So if we lack wisdom... We ask God, and it's promised here that he will give liberally without reproach, and will be given to him. Now, when, when we explore the, devin of, the definition of wisdom in a dictionary, it is usually revolving around knowledge and understanding, which is true, but it's not the complete picture. As I was meditating on it, I felt there are three points to wisdom. And the first one is gaining knowledge. You, by experiencing, by learning, you, you gain our, our um, supply of knowledge. And number two is understanding the knowledge in whatever surrounds that particular subject. It's understanding that knowledge. Remember, we're living in an age of knowledge. Knowledge is at our fingertips. We educate more than ever before. Most parents today in America, without thinking twice about it, want their children to attend college. This is the value that is put on knowledge. But when it comes to understanding what is being taught, especially talking about Christianity, it's of no value, knowledge. It's without understanding the knowledge, especially I'm talking about Christianity, it is very little value. It has very little value. And number three is acting on the knowledge to gain experience. So we have knowledge, understanding what is being said, and then acting on that knowledge. I equate that to wisdom. Godly wisdom. Godly knowledge. And this is a privilege that we have as children of God. To be led by the Spirit of God, to ask for wisdom, and the Lord gives liberally. But there is a condition. 
That doesn't mean it's not available, but it comes with a price. And that price is being committed to Christ. Being committed. So whenever we need wisdom, it, it is only available if we have searched for it beforehand. If we have lived the life as was brought out in the opening, if we have lived the life before, we've come to need the wisdom. And then it is available. He goes down to verse 6, but let me ask, but let him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. He who doubts is like a wave of sea driven and tossed by the wind. So if we come before the Lord in doubting, it is already a sign that we're not committed. We have no trust. We just blurt out words to God and we accept an answer. That is a sign of a life that is half there. That is not committed. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Unstable in all his ways. Now, I'm not trying to say that it's impossible to get the wisdom of God in our life. Christ is our wisdom. But it, it's, it, becomes, it comes to us as a result of a life that we choose to live. And the wisdom of God is not automatically dispensed to a, spur, to a person, but it, but it is for those that wholeheartedly choose to follow him. Wholeheartedly choose to follow him. And I've noticed by studying scripture that following the Lord in itself takes wisdom. To surrender to him takes wisdom. Making commitments to him takes wisdom. Giving up something for him, it takes wisdom. Why? Because when we talk about wisdom, it usually results around a paradigm. And when we're talking about wisdom here, godly wisdom, we talk about eternal destiny. And on that premises, we make and want to make wise choices. The Bible also talks about worldly wisdom. That wisdom is having good, a good temporal outcome, but not necessarily having an eternal outcome. So making these decisions for the Lord, it takes wisdom. And if you, if you go study wisdom, you will, find out, you will find that out, that it takes Wisdom, the wise, to live for the Lord. And that is why so many people wander around aimlessly in life. Because they have never made any commitments in their life. Never given up. Never made these hard choices. Especially eternal commitments to Christ. When we have people, 20, 30 year olds, even teenagers... Saying, I don't know what I want with my life. I'm not sure where I'm going. I want to do some great things someday. This is like, this is interpreting as, 
I've never really made wise choices. I'm never re- I've never have been put on a direction and a trajectory in my life. And you will hear these same people say these things over and over and over and over and over. Because they avoid these higher, higher choices. But unfortunately for them, these hard choices are wisdom. And when we are young, these choices are way easier. And we'll talk about that even, uh, even later on. <clears throat> Godliness and wisdom go hand in hand. Psalm 53 puts it in a nutshell. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. And in verse 2 he says, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. I love how the NLT words it. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. Seeking God and godliness is equal to wisdom, godly wisdom, and being wise. For a scripture reading this morning, I want to go to Proverbs 3. If you have your Bible along, Proverbs 3, verse 11. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Mysteriously, he's starting with this line, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father, the son, in whom he delights. This alone tells me that things of God will sometimes feel like chastening. They might be hard. They might be hard on our flesh. Verse 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. One of the things I like to emphasize this morning is understanding. And if you start meditating just on the word understanding in Scripture, you start to realize how we actually read Scripture. We might take a chapter a day or two and read through it, and then we'll say, okay, enough, it's time to do something else, it's time to go to work, or it's time to go to the meeting, or it's time for breakfast, or something like that. Without having a heart to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through these words. And without understanding again, we're not getting wisdom. It's knowledge, it's up here, but we do not understand it. So happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gains than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. I've always marveled at the length of days in her right hand. That is the result, again, of wisdom of making right choices. 
Uh, but a man who makes choices for sin and wrong and evil will have his days cut short through calamity, through abuses, but right choices. There's a, there's a wisdom, there's a promise behind that. <clears throat> her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Wisdom is highly esteemed. Now look at God, at his wisdom. By the Lord, no, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. Now back to us. My son, let him not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So there will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Let, yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble when the wicked, from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught. Now these promises bag to understand what what wisdom actually is. And I believe these are the results of making right choice in our lives. And I'm here to tell you the word of the Lord and his commandments. I want to say that again, are the secrets to understanding biblical wisdom. The word of the Lord and his commandments are the secret to understanding biblical wisdom and this is why the psalmist said in chapter 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And in Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. <clears throat> I want to go to um, Proverbs chapter 1. And I'm going to read it in an NLT version, so it might be hard to follow along in the King James. Um, we studied it earlier this week in school, and I found it very, um, very amusing how the NLT puts it, or very informative, I should say. And... So here we go. Verse 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insides of the wise. So they're to teach wisdom, discipline, and to help them understand the insides of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and, the, and their riddles, 
Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Again, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So, where does wisdom start? Um, according to this very chapter, it starts at a very young age in teaching children, respecting parents, and authorities. If you continue in verse 8, he says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect, don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. These are the first steps of wisdom when we're young. The children sitting here, the young people sitting here, is listening to the counsel of their parents or their teachers or any authority that is in their lives. Listen to that counsel, their, their godly counsel, the warnings. He goes on to describe a situation where a child is pressured into wrongdoing. In verse 17, he warns a child that as a bird, that as a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. And here it says it's like a child being warned. You're being warned. Stay away. You're like this bird that is watching its trap being set. That bird will stay away. With all the warning given, wisdom teaches us to adhere to warning and listen to godly counsel and stay away from foolish counsel. It's like, for conversation peace, we do not have wise children, but what, let's say we have foolish children. And what if these foolish children decide to not adhere to their parents' counsel and take on alcohol and wild living. And then eventually, the consequences of that living is, is evident. There's a car crash. There's a person killed. The trap is being set of foolishness. And, we, and we're going to read later on that he even warns about that. He continues about wisdom. And he, and he said, it's always available to us, down in verse 20. And if we look at our life, we cannot say that we have never been warned, or we cannot say we didn't know with most situations. That is the thing. <laughs> knowledge, remember, knowledge is abundant. And... We cannot say we've never heard or we've never been warned in our lives. The warnings that come our way. Sometimes we may not like the messenger, but the warning stays a warning. He said, wisdom shouts in the streets. Verse 20. She cries out in, public, in the public square. It's available in the streets, in the public square. Wisdom shouts out. She calls to the crowd along the main street to those gathered in the front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? 
How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. And I like to think here as wisdom speaking to the reader, as we can see it being personified here. And it goes on. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. And that again is a sign that wisdom is personified here. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelms you. Remember when I have foolish teenagers that not adhere to their parents. God forbid we don't have them here. But they're, in the, they're into alcohol, into wild living, into driving and drinking and driving. I'm just using an example so you understand the point here. You're into drugs. Parents say, the wisdom of the parents says, mend your ways, turn away, don't go. They ignore the warning. Go out on the road. They hit a car. Two teenagers are dead. One person is seriously injured for life. And we have the consequence of sin. We have the consequence, consequence of foolish decisions. This is an obvious one. And at that time, wisdom will not help us anything. When we see a dead person lying there, when a, when a teenager sees a dead person and, and another injured for life and another paralyzed for life, what will wisdom do at that time? When wisdom should have done its work when the warning was given to stay away. And now let's look at, at our life as God is refining us and shaping us. In the finer details of life, as Brother Samuel shared in the opening, when we look for comfort and we look for peace and we look for trust. The same way it is with wisdom, when we search for it, when we should have made the right decisions for Christ and for God, making these godly decisions in our life. When the time comes, when answers, when we want answers, when we want to know what to do with our life, the wisdom of God is there. We, we, we recognize, have the wisdom to recognize godly counsel. People don't fool me anymore when they say, I don't know what to do with my life. There's one word left, that is repent. Repent. There's something in that life that is holding back a person from making decisions for Christ. It's sin. And it's dragging us down. It's destroying us. It's sin. When a person goes off and is lost, trying to find that meaning, and if you watch it, stand back and watch it, they're just indulging more and more and more in sin, and the hole is getting deeper and bigger, and they cannot get out. And the very, very sad part is, they are making and preparing their destiny for eternity. And we're taking it lightly and easy, we're, we're protecting them. It's generally, it's, it's, the, it's the response of our flesh.
So when this first chapter is a warning, if we ignore wisdom and understanding in our lives, and when a person continuously makes bad choices, let me say it again, it's too late when the consequence of sin has found us out. Wisdom will not undo consequences of sin. There is forgiveness, but consequences remain. We can find forgiveness for the consequence, but they remain. A person that has lost his life will remain then. A person that we've heard to our sinful, our selfish ways, consequences can remain. He may be able to forgive us, and God will be able to forgive us, but a lot of time consequences remain. Verse 28, when they cry for help, I will not answer. That is wisdom speaking again. That is in, in the time of calamity when we've ignored wisdom. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hate the knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. I found this verse very amusing. Should I say amusing or interesting? That fools, complacency, here they, they, they put complacency, and I look at that spiritual complacency as fools. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all to listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. But all who listen to me will live in peace. And these are the decisions that we make when we're searching for answers. And when the answer comes, do not ignore them. I'm especially talking to young people here that have many decisions yet to make in their life. And they're faced with decisions every day. We cannot ignore them. There's consequence of ignoring wise decisions. Just doing nothing is a consequence. Making a foolish decision is a consequence. As I was studying this scripture, I just came across this picture in one of the, you know, this story, one of the Bibles. It's, it's called Vain Regrets, and it's a, a good picture of what I was trying to talk here, to talk about here. <clears throat> a man in South Africa bought a piece of land for the purpose of farming it, but after a short trial, finding it unsuitable for that purpose and hearing that gold was found in the neighborhood, set to work to see if he could find any, like any gold. But he failed. Disgusted with his purchase, he sold it for what it would fetch, getting what he called a mere song for it. A mere, just obviously not what he wanted. The man who bought it, having also heard that there was a light, Lehood of gold being found, lost no time in making a vigorous search and was rewarded in finding both gold and diamonds, which made him rich beyond his wildest dreams. Some years later, afterwards, the former owner, who had left the country, heard from an old friend that gold by the ton 
and diamonds by the hundreds were being taken from his bit of land. And they said that he gnashed his teeth with rage and chagrin, as with his hands clenched until the nails entered the palms, exclaimed, Oh, what have I lost? What have I lost? And we imagine coming back, and here he gave up, and here this man just made his fortune. And he says, You who have not accepted Christ, take care that someday when salvation is no longer yours to take or refuse. You, in the bitterness of anguish, can only say, oh, what have I lost? What have I lost? And I think about this story and how many people have gone into eternity or have lived on this earth and have clenched their fists and were in anguish and said, what have I lost? When grace was still near, what have I lost? And I, I pray that we, that is not our regret. I pray that we do not look back at the opportunity that we've missed with the Holy Spirit and the, and the words of, of wisdom that have come our way and all the counsel that we can say, oh, what have I lost? The wisdom that is shared in Ecclesiastes 12. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. That is some unmatched wisdom here that we take for granted. Remembering the Creator in your youth. In other words, remembering the Creator, the things of our Creator, while life is still easy, while we have choices to make, while we have a lot of energy, while we can make some good decisions. And it says, before the difficult days come. When we're young, we have the ability to make all these wise choices or all these choices. Our choices come our ways. But when we're older, we're forced into these choices because the consequences are greater. So life is not just one big ball game. The energy we possess in our youth, in our younger days, are to make wise choices for God. Because once we get into these 50s and 60s, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm sure the, the older brothers and their wisdom can share that, that the energy simply depletes. The options get fewer. Life gets more complicated. The days get more evil. And I, I can only imagine already from my life, whatever I've accumulated in godliness and the treasures of eternity that I've gathered in my life so far are the greatest treasure. And may we not, may we not lose the grace of God on our lives when it is near us. While the choices these important choices lie in front of us until we come to the place where Christ desires us to be as he's working in our life. May we remember our creator while the days are still pleasant. Pleasant and the choices are easier to make. <clears throat> Chapter 2 in Proverbs, my child, listen to what I say. 
and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Here it is again. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. And verse 4. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Search for them as you would for silver and seek them like hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. But only if we seek that insight and ask for that understanding or cry out for that insight and ask for that understanding and search as I would search for silver and seek them like hidden treasures. Remember, complacency is the way of fools. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. For the Lord grants wisdom. We've heard that at the very beginning. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is, shield. he is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Did you catch that line? You will find the right way to go. Not, I am looking for purpose in my life, all my life. No. Looking for the wisdom and understanding God. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wise choices will watch over you. If we sit and say, well, no, I don't know what to do with my life, it's a lack of wisdom. Wisdom helps us make choices and wise choices on top of that. And understanding the commands of Scripture and a being is a far greater blessing than just knowing it. Most Christians can quote Scripture, but understanding it and knowing it is another thing. Jesus and Icons, a person who understands and heeds and does what he says as a wise person. Did you know that? As a wise person. And a person who chooses not to obey his teaching as a foolish. It's very clear. In Matthew 7, 24 to 29, the building on the rock or on the sand is the result. It's like I said, it's like a wise man. During the week, I was in Elmendorf and we did a baptism class there. And we studied Romans 6. And having this message here on my mind, I was amazed how this principle applies to our believers' walk, this principle of wisdom. It starts in Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Shall we? He's asking the question, shall we? And it's like a choice there. 
He is commanding us to choose to walk in the path of life. Shall we? Verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. A commandment again. We should walk in newness of life. Now we believe in verse 6, of course. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Our old man was crucified with Christ. That something happened the time when we come, came to the cross. When we accepted the cross, our old man, that old man was crucified. That the body of sin might be done away with. That slave driver. But our fleshly desires have not been crucified yet. We still have to choose. Still have to choose to live according to the Holy Spirit or live according to our flesh desire. The slave driver is gone. Christ did a miraculous work when we've accepted the cross. He freed us from this slave driver, from this bondage of sin. But now as our, we, I usually say we just have our flesh to deal with anymore. But it's a lot. And sadly, many, many, many believers choose the flesh. But they go back to this precious deed in their mind. And they say, well, I'm a Christian. But we have a choice. To live after the flesh or after the spirit. As we can see later in Romans 8.1, Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's another one. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its loss. There's this choice again. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And we can go on and on. This chapter is talking to baptized, born-again believers. Remember that. Baptized, born-again believers. He talked about baptism. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness. This, came, this verse came to my verse as I was pondering as the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and is touching us on various issues and was bringing his promises, his teachings, his, his direction in life. And we have to decide between the Holy Spirit and our flesh. And this verse came to my mind. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Heed 
to what he's saying. And there's this continuously working and conforming of the image of into the image of Christ in our lives. Remember, our goal is to be with Jesus in eternity. Our end goal. May our lives be full of wise choices that reflect that goal. May we not someday cry in despair, Oh, what have I lost? What have I lost? In closing, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now verse 17 again. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Remember, it's the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Verse 8. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, God, Heavenly Father, I pray that your eyes roam to and fro, especially over the hearing of these words, these words, Lord, that you will find us among the wise people that build on the rock and not on sand. I pray that the wisdom, wisdom from above may fill our hearts as we readily receive it. If there is a heart that seeks to make this choice, even today, to make wise choices today for you. If there is a heart here that's even struggling, Lord, I pray that you will pour your abundant grace upon that very life to make these choices today. As we hear wisdom crying out, Lord, as wisdom is coming from every corner from your word, the Holy Spirit moving and pricking our hearts, we pray, Lord, that we will not harden our hearts, but that we will listen to your call. Lord, we pray that your grace may be with us. We pray that you lead and direct us in these things. Thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.